Hello, and welcome to Crossroads Christian Center, where we keep it real, simple, and about Jesus. Please enjoy this sermon, and don't forget to subscribe. You have power that overcomes his power. Not only do you have power, you have authority. So come on, people. You're going to fight that battle. You're going to fight it. Let the Holy Spirit's presence surround you. Go before you. The Lord, the word of the Lord says, I go before you and I come behind you. I hem you in. I surround you on all sides. So if you're surrounded, the enemy can't get to you. But you know what? You're the one that the enemy should be afraid of. God's word says this in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you, that you, not someone else, but you can take stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, and baby, it's going to come, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And he says this, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for the saints. So this is how we fight our battle. Sing it, church. This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look, church, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how you do a church. 
This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> this is how I fight my battles. <laughs> this is how I fight my battles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give God some praise this morning, church. Do it like you mean it, church. Do it like he surrounds you. He's surrounding you with his love. Hallelujah. We just bless your name this morning, God, as we stay in the presence of your glory, Lord. God, show us your glory this morning, God. Church, raise your hands this morning. Show us your glory this morning, God. God, a glory that Moses seen, Lord God, as Jesus walked with you, Father God, show us that glory, Lord. We hunger for it, God. God, your word says that those that hunger and thirst for you, God, they will be filled, Father. So this morning, God, as a sign of surrender, we raise our hands to you, God, and we ask, God, we beseech you, Lord, show us your glory, Father. Show us your glory this morning. I see the cloud and I step in and I want to see your glory like Moses did flashes of light
There's a sweet presence in here right now. church God we desire more of you this morning God we desire the unquenchable fire God the all consuming fire of you God that's our cry this morning Lord is more of you God and less of us
We're not probably your typical church. We don't usually pray for octogenarian Sicilians to get pregnant. (laughs) But you know what? We do believe the Word of God. And we believe that that which the Lord speaks, He's going to do. Amen? And, And some of you have great dreams that the Lord has spoken to you, and I believe that there is an anointing. One of the things that Pastor Lynn and I felt when we took our, our staff retreat a couple weeks, uh, two weeks ago now, uh, is that this was a, a season of God's going to give birth to the dreams of this church. And it's not just the dreams that the pastors have, but it's the dreams that you all have, because we are the church. And God's going to be releasing his favor in a new way, in a new uh, season for us, that God is going to release something that you've never seen before. And I, I believe that. I'm, I'm naive enough to believe that. One more thing. So part of the story that you don't know about this couple is that I took them privately into a different room. No, I don't think he even knows this. And I said, you know what the Lord so- told me when I was praying for you in 2017 was that you need to change the way you talk about each other and about yourself. You need to speak words of life to yourself. Because you have the creative power through the, your tongue. And you've been cursing one another. And the Lord says, now I want you to start blessing one another. Start blessing that dream. Start blessing that with your mouth. And I feel like the Lord says, you know what? Those of you that, that came up for anoint, to be anointed, the Lord says, now you change the way you talk about your dream. About your body, if it has to do with your physical body. Whatever it has to do with, now you're going to have to change the way that you talk. No longer cursing. No longer agreement with death. No longer agreement with drought. No longer agreement with sickness. But agreement with what the word of the Lord is saying over you. And he's saying life. 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 Amen. Scripture does say this. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. That's not prosperity, gospel folks. That's word of God. 
that you can speak things over your situation that can actually, you begin to believe it. And that's why we are going to be word-based. We're going to be in the, in the word of God and, and proclaiming God's word in every situation. I asked Pastor Johnny, Pastor Johnny, you're here. I don't know, is Whitney here? She's out with the kids. Uh, any of the youth going to camp, I want you guys to come on up. Any of the youth here that are going to camp, or they all step out? Some are helping with the kids. Well, Pastor Johnny, you come on up. You're young. Young enough. Any of the adult leaders going that are going to camp that are here? Here's, Come on down. Come on down, V. Mark, you coming this year? Come on, don't be shy. You're going to need prayer after this week, you know. <laughs> you know, they're going up to Shaver Lake, and they're going to have a great time. They're leaving on Tuesday, and this is going to be the A-team right here, baby. They're going to do some great things. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to mark your calendar starting on, well, you can start today, but on Tuesday specifically, pray for traveling mercies. Pray for the Holy Spirit to be released over these young men and women. Pray for safety. Pray for patience. <laughs> you know, pray no one gets sick. But pray that the Holy Spirit really gets hold of these young men and women. You know, I, I believe that God has a destiny for our children. I believe God has a destiny that he wants to shape in them and mold in them and transform in them. And you know what he uses? He's people like this. You know, doesn't use superstars. No one here is a superstar. None of us are superstars. We're just people like you and I. We're just regular old folk, you know. Some of her are younger than old folk. But, you know, we're just regular folk that just love Jesus and want to see the Holy Spirit use us to touch other people. So we're going to pray for this team. You got an oil? Ooh, she's good. See, we went to Israel and we got all this anointing oil. You're, you're going to walk around like just dripping, you know. I told her we should get some spray bottles and we just spray as you come into church. You'll all be anointed, you know. Why not? Why not? Am I going to anoint here? All right, let's pray. I got I said, what kind of anointing oil should I give these? I was there last year. Elijah anointing oil. You know what I mean? Whatever comes against you, you're going to conquer it. And you know what? There is going to be a prophetic spirit over you all. You're going to speak the word to these kids, and it's going to set captives free. <laughs> it's going to um, reveal the anointing in the lives of these kids. This house is anointed to be uh, people who raise people up. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors of today and tomorrow are coming from this house. Are we speaking it for it? That's why God, that's why the enemy doesn't want to fill this house. See? Because he, he wants to prevent the filling of the house. See, I'm taking my own sermon time, so it's fine. Relax. Okay, I'm preaching today. Um, and so he doesn't want to fill it because he knows we're anointed for something. Right? And we're anointed to raise up five-fold ministry people to be sending them out, to be working alongside of us because this is a powerhouse. This is a muscle church. We have Elijah anointing. Pastor David, do you want to go ahead and anoint them? We're going to pray. Father, extend your hand over them. They're going to have the, uh, you know what? Over these ones right here, Lord, I just say, Father, over these that are standing, that are leading, Lord, I say double portion of your spirit upon them. It doesn't matter if they're cooking. It doesn't matter if they're driving. It doesn't matter if they're just chillaxing with the kids. It doesn't matter if they're trying to get the kids to go to sleep. Lord, I say double portion of your Holy Spirit. I say give them words directly from heaven. 
heaven for these young people. Lord, I see locks. I actually see locks, like those big, heavy locks. And God has given you the keys, the keys to unlock these young people. You're going to go around with the keys of the kingdom, with the keys of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to unlock young people. And never again will they be locked back up, but they're going to be free, 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 way down in the depths. Lord, I say, Father, that the things that happen here, Lord, the seed that is sown, Lord, the experiences they have with you, Lord, I pray that the enemy would not come in and try to kill, steal, destroy, or rob. Lord, I pray uh, the shalom of God over all, Lord, all that are here, all the young people, the new kids coming, the shalom of God, unity. I say unity over the leadership. I say unity over the young people. I say, Father, an open heaven, Lord, and shaver lake. Father, rock that place. Rock that place. Rock that place, Lord Jesus. Never to be the same again, Father. We declare. We decree it, Father, because it is in heaven's will for this to happen. You can be seated. Don't you love our worship team? You guys are doing such a good job. We appreciate you so much. Hey, I just want to give a, uh, just a little uh, clip here, a commercial for next week. We're doing a whole series right now called Slaying the Giants. We're dealing with some of the topics that affect us as believers in America and how we can overcome them and how we can be uh, victorious. Scripture says that you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, and we're addressing some of those things. Next week, I want to uh, actually, the Lord's put on my heart uh, probably about two months ago to speak this sermon. I'm going to talk about the overcoming the giants of anti-intellectualism. You know, the church, so many times people, and I've had so many conversations with people that don't know the Lord or people that have been uh, on a journey of faith where they said, you know, as a Christian, you have to put your mind in neutral or sometimes have a, a lobotomy and take it out. And I want to challenge you. You do not have to be anti-intellectual to be a believer, nor do you have to be hyper-intellectual. You know, some people make it so complicated that it's hard to understand what the scripture says. And, and, and the words of Christ says this. 
have the faith of a child. You know, when I'm talking to my two-year-old granddaughter, I'm not using, you know, well, with her, I'm using long words because she talks like a 12-year-old. Uh, but, you know, little kids don't have to have complicated things. They need it simple. And that's one of the principles that we'll have here at this church is keeping it real, keeping it simple, and keeping it about Jesus. And so I want to tell you next week, if, uh, if you're in the area, we'd love to have you in service. Uh, but now I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Lynn because she's got a good word for us. Amen. Can't wait to get this word to you because it's a word for, from the Lord for you. So we're going to talk about slaying the giant of self-sufficiency. Wow. Yeah, heavy, huh? It's good. You know why we're slaying giants is because we are wanting you to walk in freedom and to walk in full, in the, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. The thing is about self-sufficiency is that our culture praises and even rewards self-sufficiency. So we are encouraged to be self-sufficient. But there's a problem with that, and I'm going to tell you, show you what the problem with that is and how it actually can bar us from walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, way back when, in Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent came to Eve, the serpent drew Eve through trying to convince her and succeeding that she could be self-sufficient. Genesis 3, 6 says this, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delightful to look at and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful, she took the fruit. And then she recruited others, her husband, that is, Adam. You see, he was convinced her that you didn't need God. You can be self-sufficient. You don't have to be, depend upon God. You could be self-sufficient, and that drew her into sin. Our culture is funny because I just wanted to do a little, you know, web research. Good thing about the web, you can just put in, you know, your search box and find something within a minute or two. And uh, I said, you know, what? Let, let me see what's written out there on self-sufficiency or something similar to that. And we, you can find complete guides on how to become self-sufficient. We reward that. There's even, if you go to Barnes and Nobles or Borders or whatever the bookstores are, or you can find sections on that development of self-sufficiency. But God did not create us to be self-sufficient. He did not, even in our perfect state, without sin, God did not create Adam and Eve to be self-sufficient. He created them, them to be God-sufficient because they they dwelled in the presence of God. And even scripture tells us that we were created by the word of God and through Christ and even in Christ, according to the psalmist, he tells us, or actually according to Acts, it says that in Christ we live and move and have our being. You see, in Christ we dwell. Even when we were created, humans were created, we were created to dwell in relationship with the divine being who is God. And Christ was the one through his word because Christ is the word of God. So we were the steward of power and resources before sin. We were the steward. We were delegated the authority from the creator, to take care of the resources. But what ended up happening is that Adam and Eve chose self over God. Chose self over God. So what is self-sufficiency? 
It's depending upon human power and denying or rejecting God's power. It's depending on human power. You know, it's interesting. If I would say you're self-sufficient, you would, it may ring very positive to you because our culture praises and rewards it so much. But as I was researching this in the Word of God, I really came to discover that God only wants us to be Christ-sufficient. There is nothing in the Word of God that says, you be self-sufficient now. It says, no, you depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the, the truth is this. We can only use one power source at a time. It is either our own power or it's the Holy Spirit's power. I want you to think about that. You can only use one power source at a time. You're either plugged into one thing or the other, but you can't be plugged into both at the same time. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, and this is Paul writing. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. You see, Scripture does not command us to use our human power. Scripture commands us to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Why does Scripture not command us to use the human power? We are made in the image of God. Because there's something about self-sufficiency that puts us on the throne. Puts ourself on the throne. And the only person that should be on the throne is Jesus. You see, when we use power, and power is used all the time. Every individual has power. Power is used all the time in our world. Every country, every Region, every jurisdiction, every life has some source of power. You watch a child, they have a source of power. I mean, if I take my granddaughter, whom is my little buddy and I love, she's such a joy to grandma. She is my buddy. But if I take her to Walmart and she decides to have a fit in the middle of the store, she has a lot of power over me. Come on, parents. Come on, grandparents. You know what I'm saying. You got all kinds of people looking at, what did you do to that poor kid? You know what I'm saying? You see, everybody has power. But the fact is this, one of the reasons why our world is such a mess is because there's so much self-sufficiency out there that they're using the power in their own strength. And there is a spectrum of power. So people can use power and even do some good through their own power. But given unchecked, Without checks and balances, power unchecked always leads to abuse of power. Always leads to abuse of power. Because there's a spectrum. Because human beings without Jesus Christ are unhealthy. They walk dysfunctionally and they will eventually move into that direction. That's why we always have checks and balances even in our own society. Because there's an abuse of power. Because without Holy Spirit-controlled living, humans default to dysfunction. That's why self-sufficiency can be very dangerous. And as believers, we should not walk in self-sufficiency. We are to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. How many times, I want you really to, good thing is this, this sermon is not about somebody else. It's about self, isn't it? So you can't go, well, my husband does this all the time. No, you think about you. How many times do you access your own power first before you access the power of the Holy Spirit? 
How many times do you access your own power first, and then when it runs dry, so you start really like, oh, man, I'm, I'm feeling good. I got up and worked out, ate really good, didn't eat carbs. People, some people are against carbs. So didn't eat carbs. I'm feeling really good. Oh, this is great. You know, everything's going well. So you start functioning in your power, and then it starts going downhill from there. And then when your power runs out, you say, God, help. When you should have, I'm just being, I'm just going to be on, you know me, I'm just going to be honest with you. When really accessing God's power for your everyday living should begin initially, right? But how we do that, how humans default to that so easy. We are to access the power of the Holy Spirit first and inquire of the Lord regarding our decisions. Do you inquire of the Lord regarding your decisions in your daily life? Do you? Because if you're not inquiring of the Lord, you're probably most likely walking in self-sufficiency. Lord, I will consult you when I need you. Okay, so I'm going to go do this. If I have a problem, I'll let you know. And then please dig me out, and can you do it immediately? <laughs> Come on, let's just get real. We, we act like that. But that's not how we are to live. And what is self-sufficiency actually rooted in? Let's really unpack this. It's rooted in human pride. It's rooted in fear, and it's rooted in control or the need to control. You see, self-sufficiency says, I want to control things until things get out of my control, and then I need God. But as long as things are in my control, I can walk in my self-sufficiency. And honestly, self-sufficiency really is rooted way down deep in an orphaned spirit. In an orphaned spirit. We support House of Hope in India. And many of you give, and I want to thank you for that, for these boys. We have 12 boys. And so in February, we get to go see our precious boys, and they look forward to Grandma and Grandpa coming. We represent you. They love this church. But when we came this last time, I don't think we told you the story because we want you to think these boys are perfect, but they're not. <laughs> and so Moses, the leader of the boys' home, says, you know what? Papa and Mama, I want to tell you something that happened with these boys. The older boys, there's four of the older boys, they decided to steal money from, there's an older lady that lived in the home there, steal money from the older lady. And then what they went and did, they, they went and negotiated buying cell phones for each one of them with the money that they stole. And then they went and dug a hole and buried their, isn't this like kids? But you know, we do the same stuff with God, right? Okay, and then we go dig a hole, and so then we take out the cell phones as needed and as desired in our secrecy. And he says, what should I, Moses has never had children, so he's over these boys, never had children, not even married. He says, what am I to do with these? I mean, he goes, I, I swatted them on the butt once, you know, he didn't beat them or nothing, but I'm against that, but he said, but I don't know what to do. What do I do about this? How do I pay this money back? Because the cell, the, you know, they went to one of these little shops, and they got cracked up, messed up cell phones. I mean, they showed me the cell phones. I said, those people will gladly take the money from these boys and give them a piece of junk. 
So I said, you know what, Moses, we're going to meet with these boys. And here they came in, the ones that were guilty, little big old brown eyes, you know. Because they're trying to meet their need with their own resources, their self-sufficiency. They were trying to meet their need in the best way that they knew how to get the job done for something that they really felt that they needed. So they went about it in this way. So when we sat them down, we told them that we forgave them for doing this. But we also told them, and we, and we had a bunch of money, and we said, we're giving this money to Moses to pay back the person you stole from because we just bought those phones. And we just bought and, and redeemed you for stealing that money. But we want you to know that we're your grandma and grandpa. And you're not poor anymore. You don't need to try to meet all your needs on your own. You don't need to scrap and strain and try and steal and try to make it happen to meet your needs because you're rich. Because grandma and grandpa are rich. And if you have a need, all you have to do is ask. And we'll make sure that those needs are met. You need to know that you are no longer an orphan. You no longer have to do this on your own. You no longer have to try to scrape together your own resources to make it happen. Because you have unlimited resources available to you. When we try to walk in self-sufficiency, we are accessing our meager resources to try to make it happen in our lives. When God has unlimited resources, when we say, I will not be self-sufficient, but I will be Christ-sufficient. But what happens, what gets in our way is pride. Human pride gets in our way, and that was one of the big problems with Adam and Eve, is that the enemy accessed human pride to say, you can do it without God. The other thing that gets in the way is fear. Fear. Maybe God won't do it. Or maybe God won't do it my way because control gets in there as well. See, human fear, control, the desire to preserve yourself, even the feeling that you're inferior and you don't go to God feeds self-sufficiency. When you're a spiritual orphan, even, and I have met Christians can receive Christ as their Savior, but still function as spiritual orphans. Even though they have accesses to all the riches of God through Christ Jesus, they still function as spiritual orphans. If you feel insecure in your relationship with the Lord, you're functioning as a spiritual orphan. If you feel anxiety about your relationship with the Lord, you're functioning as a spiritual orphan. Spiritual orphans also do this. They are independent. They feel they need to be independent of others and of God. I can do it. I'm going to make God proud by going and do it. So they have an independent spirit because that independent spirit is actually a way for them to hide their pain or deny their need. 
And the Lord did not make us as the body of believers independent of one another. Our culture encourages our culture encourages isolation and independence of one another. And it is becoming increasingly sick. People are becoming increasingly sick emotionally, mentally, spiritually due to the isolation. People don't want to leave their homes anymore. They can do almost everything they need to do staying isolated in a room in their home. But that is not healthy. That is not beneficial to them. That is not how God created humans to function. And I am challenging us that we are not to have an independent spirit. We are to have a dependent spirit on the Lord. Dependent on Christ. We're depending upon Christ's power to overcome. You see, humans have difficulty being powerful over all the things that try to destroy them. Listen, humans have difficulty, if they just access their own self-sufficiency, being powerful over all the things that are trying to destroy them. And that's why we have to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the truth is this. This is what Jesus says. Nothing I have given you dominion over should have dominion over you. Listen. Nothing Christ has given you through the power of his blood dominion over should have dominion over you. Nothing. Did you hear me? What? Nothing. Nothing. So if something's having dominion over you, it should not. There is something wrong. Because Christ has given you power Whose power? Christ's power to have dominion over that. But the reason why you don't have dominion over that is because you are accessing self-sufficiency to try to have dominion over that. Let it rest on you. I, listen, I had to let this rest on me. So no addiction, no emotion Low, meaning depression, or high, meaning an, a need for an adrenaline fix. Come on, people. A lot of times we all press in on the low. But what about the high, that I have to have a need to, well, how can I get my adrenaline fix? No addiction, no emotion, no life-controlling substance, no life-controlling go-to behavior. I'm just going to go binge watch TV for 48 hours, and then I'll get over it. I'm going to go shopping with my credit card. That's already $20,000 over the, you know. I'm on, come on, people. No person, no circumstance, no problem, nothing that has happened to you can have dominion over you when you are Christ-sufficient. Jesus says, and I, if you write anything down, I want you to write this down, nothing. Now, if you don't believe it, you can walk out of here and say, I'm just going to walk in self-sufficient. Then you will walk in the attempt to be victorious, but always failing. Jesus says, nothing I have given you dominion over should have dominion over you. 
Christ has given you his power and authority. See, Christ's work has seated you with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 6 says this, And he raised us up together with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are seated with Christ right now in heavenly places. And therefore, that's why we are Christ-sufficient and not self-sufficient. Why did Christ do this? Why did Christ do this? Well, if you go down to Ephesians 2, 7, it says this. So that in the ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace towards us in Christ Jesus. You are his shining example of grace. You are his shining example of taking you from the depths and putting you up into the pinnacle of creation. And you not only are created in his image, but you have the power of Christ in your life. We are the ex examples. We are the shining examples, and we are to walk that way. The enemy cannot steal that from you, but he sure can try to, to convince you not to access it. How can I convince them not to access this? Because I can't take it from them. I can't even touch them. But I sure can try to make them proud. Don't access the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've seen people, and I've been in ministry literally all my life. That's what I know. This is the jurisdiction the Lord has given to me. It's what I walk. If I had lived many lives or some other things I would choose to do that are of interest to me, but this is where I know God has called me, and I will walk in it until the day I, lie, I die. I almost said until the day I live, but because um, I am going to live when I after I die. But but I've seen this pattern, and I'm I'm going for it because I want to break off this this lie, and I want you to slay this giant today. But I've seen this pattern, and it's a pen pendulum swing pattern and it goes from spiritual high to spiritual low so somebody has a spiritual high I am living victorious you know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit God is speaking to me God is using me I'm walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and then we get some delayed time and then I see them maybe a month or two later spiritual low. how you doing well you know I'm struggling with some of the stuff that I used to struggle with I've actually given into it I mean dominion what happened what happened? Well, I'll tell you. There was a moment that you went from Christ's sufficiency to self-sufficiency. There was a moment. And then you shifted. You went, came to a juncture, and you said, you know, things are going great. They're going great. I think I'm going to step into self-sufficiency. It's very subtle. See, the enemy wants you to step into self-sufficient. It's very daily. I'm going to be honest with you. Every day, this man lives with me. He can tell. I work and keeping myself in agreement with the Holy Spirit's power. If I'm going to lead you, if I'm going to declare these words, I am not going to just be a word of a person of talk. I'm going to be a person of walk. And it's easy to get into self-sufficiency. Listen. Well, you know, I can access my education. You know, I have a doctorate. And, you know, 
doctorates are hard to get. And I have a really great dissertation. Actually, it was published. And I came from a Christian home. And my father and mother were Christians. They stayed married all that. You know what? Know what all that talk is? Stepping into what? Self-sufficiency. I can't do it. I cannot do it. I cannot do this. I cannot do what God called me to do in my life without Christ's sufficiency. Not self-sufficiency. Those things God has given to me, but those things are not why I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is through his power, and I'm going to tell you, you don't need all the things that I just listed to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You just need what he did for you according to Ephesians 2 verse 6. That you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Genesis 1.26 says this. Because you are positioned way back when God created you. He positioned you and let them have complete authority. He positioned you to walk in authority. And then he bought it back for you and set you with Christ in heavenly places. And so you access the power and authority to walk in Christ's efficiency through his grace. See, he gives it to you through his grace. You do not earn it. You don't have to be good enough. You, he, you, he gives it to you through his grace, but you activate it through your faith. His grace, your faith. And therefore, this is one thing I want us to get, something that the Lord has really just stirred upon my heart. We do not pray from a, a lowly place. We pray not upward, but we pray downward. In other words, we pray from the position of authority that Christ has seated with, we are seated with him in heavenly places. We're not up here like little beggars. More porridge, please, God. Oh, God, more porridge, please. No, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I don't care how bad you were, all the evil that you did. When you were washed in the blood, he said, guess what? Through my grace, I, you now are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So you are seated in a place of Christ's sufficiency. So everything Christ did, you have. And you could not place yourself there, no matter how good you were. You cannot place yourself there. But our battle as believers is this. Our battle as what? Believers is this. We can step into self-sufficiency. Paul writes in Romans, I don't have it up here, that he wrestles. Romans 7, 19 says, that I want to do good, but I don't do it. See, he talks about a wrestling that we have. And you still have a nature a sin nature in you. It's to be dead. It's to be dead. But it also can come up and try to encroach upon you. That's why life in the spirit is so important. We've rendered those things dead through Christ. But yet we can still struggle. Because we are not yet been made perfect. Do you hear me? You are not yet been made perfect. The enemy would want you to feel guilt and shame because of that struggle. Which can lead you into trying to resolve it yourself. Listen, this is a trick from the enemy. He says, oh, you're struggling. Oh, you should feel bad. You're not living a perfect life. Who's saying that? Not Jesus. It's the enemy. 
He wants to get you back into self-sufficiency to try to fix what's going on with you rather than you getting surrendered to the Holy Spirit again. Christ is our example. You see, Christ showed us how to live in the power of the Holy Spirit when he walked on this earth. He is our example because what Christ did when he came is that he surrendered his deity. In other words, he set it aside. He was 100% God and 100% man, but he did not access his deity. He did everything he accomplished in his mission on earth through the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could say, if I can do it, you can do it. And so Christ does something in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, if you read the whole chapter, is all about authority. It's all about Christ's authority. It actually begins with Jesus entering Jerusalem, and this is when they call out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to in the highest. And the whole city is stirred because Jesus is coming through. And then what does Jesus do right after that in Matthew 21? He goes to the temple courts and the courts of the Gentiles, and he takes his whip, and he gets rid of all the money changers in there because they're preventing the Gentiles from coming to a place of worship, his authority. At the end of the chapter, if you look at the end, you find that the authority of Jesus is questioned. But in the middle, in the middle of the chapter is what I want to read. Because he talks about the authority that he's given to his followers. Matthew 21, 18 says this. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately, the tree withered. What did Jesus do? Did he take an axe and cut that tree down? What did he do? He spoke to it, right? When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, remember, by faith, I told you already, by faith, your power and authority is accessed, right? Activated. Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Jesus is showing his followers something. He is showing them that he has dominion over the earth. He has dominion over this fig tree. If you have faith in me, you will also have dominion. If you have faith, isn't that what he said? If you have faith in me, you shall also do this very thing and even more. You shall also have dominion. You will say to the mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea. You're going to have to take some mountains, people. If you're going to redeem the territory, if you're going to take back what the enemy has stolen, if you're going to walk in your jurisdiction, you're going to have to take the mountains. Jesus said, take the mountains. He wants you. See, Jesus did not... Give you his power and authority for you to sit on it. He gave you his power and authority to go back and take what the enemy has stolen. Because it no longer belongs to him. 
And it begins with, I believe. It begins with, I believe. I believe what you say. I may feel weak. I may feel unworthy. Guess what? Your feelings are not truth tellers. You believe what he says. It begins with, I believe. 1 John 5, 14 says this. This is John writing. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. He hears you. You can ask of him. Be in agreement with him. His will, that's walking in Christ's sufficiency. Not self-sufficiency. Christ's sufficiency. It's not our ability. It's not our humanity. It's not our self-sufficiency. No, we have confidence in him that anything we ask of him. Self-sufficiency is the enemy of God's favor. This is the best part. Self-sufficiency is the enemy of God's favor. You see, Scripture says a lot about the favor of God. God wants to favor his children. When we receive Christ, we receive all the riches. We are co-heirs with Christ. Just write down Hebrews chapter 1. You want to find out who, who Christ is and what he did, read Hebrews chapter 1. And we are co-heirs with Christ. Do you hear me? You are co-heirs with Christ. And you, as a result of being a co-heir, walk in great favor with God. What does favor mean? Goodwill, acceptance, and the benefits flowing from these. Goodwill and acceptance. See, he's accepted you fully and completely. You do not need to try to earn it any longer or do things on your own. You are accepted fully and completely. But when we walk in self-sufficiency rather than in Christ's sufficiency, we deny and reject the favor of God. Okay, we're going to get to favor. See, the enemy wants you to deny and reject the favor of God. Because when we walk in Christ's sufficiency, we dwell in the favor of God. We are plugged in to the right power source. See, the enemy wants you to walk out your Christian faith in your own strength. Why? Because you're going to get weary. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get exhausted because you cannot walk out your Christian faith in your own strength. And if you try to walk out your Christian walk in self-sufficiency, you will have failure. See, the enemy wants you to try to please God in your own strength, in your own ability, rather than through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we have access to being empowered, but the enemy wants us to be exhausted. And when you walk in self-sufficiency, you will walk with exhaustion. I want that to rest a little on you. If you're feeling exhausted, it's because you're trying to do it in your own strength. And we all go there. We all go there. 
And when we go there, we need to wake up and say, you know what? I am not to be doing this in my own strength. He has done it for me. And I can dwell in the favor of God. And I just need to humble myself and say, Lord, forgive me for putting myself on the throne, my self-sufficient, my meager way of trying to handle things, my meager resources that just can't cover stuff. Forgive me for putting me on the throne, Lord. I put Christ back on the throne of my life, and I will be a co-heir with him, for I am seated with him in heavenly places. If Jesus needed favor to accomplish the mission on his life. You need favor. Luke 2.52, I don't believe I have it in the text up here on the PowerPoint, but it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and then man. Favor with God first, then man. Because true favor does not happen with man first. It happens with God first. We're going to get to that. Because even our enemies support what we do if we have favor with God. See, we need to have favor with God to fulfill the assignment. We need to have favor with God to have a walk in authority in the jurisdiction that he has given to us. See, when we walk in favor, even people who would say, I'm not going to support you, change their mind. When we walk in favor with God, he places you in a place of influence. He promotes you. He opens doors that would otherwise be close to you. He even causes those who would be in competition with you to encourage and respect you. See, God favors his children. And he wants his children on this earth to walk in favor. There are too many Christians walking in self-sufficiency and not walking in the favor of God. Psalms 102.13 says this, You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious and show favor to her. Yes, the appointed time, the moment designated has come. See, God's favor, some of you have these dreams, has these dreams that God has given to you. He wants the fulfillment of those dreams to happen through his favor. And his favor has to do with some appointed times. God's favor is with you at all times when you're in Christ's sufficiency. But the time for public favor may be different. See, his favor is always there. But public favor, when he exalts you or he sets you in a place of influence... It's time for us to walk in favor. You know, I have found some Christians who are trying to do it on themselves and do it with self-sufficiency get jealous of people walking in God's favor. Why are you jealous? Don't be jealous of favor. Because God has his favor for your life. Quit looking at them. Start looking at him. Quit looking at them. Start looking at him. Quit looking at yourself. Start looking at him. See, when we submit, he pours out favor on us. Philippians 4.13 says this. I can do all things through myself because I'm made in the image of God. That's what the world would say. They got kind of image of God going on right now, you know. But that's not, that's not what the word of God says. I can do all things through Christ 
who gives me strength. I submit myself to Christ. Christ is on the throne of my life. I inquire of the Lord regarding my life, my decisions, my career, my money, my relationships, how I treat my body, everything. I inquire of the Lord because I am living Christ-sufficient, not self-sufficient. Is it quiet? I don't know, a little quiet. Okay, that's okay. We're, coming, we're, we're taking this giant down. So now we're going to look at what God's favor does for you. We have a list. Let's look at what God's favor. I'm going to convince you to walk in God's favor. God's favor will empower your dream to be fulfilled in impossible situations. There's actually a scripture that goes with this, Genesis 39, 21. God's favor will empower your dream to be fulfilled in what kind of situations? Impossible ones. God's favor brings forth restoration of everything that the enemy has stolen from you. Some things, everything. God's favor is intended for the lifespan of the believer. God's favor assures you of victory in any situation. God's favor will cause you to establish a prosperous business. God's favor will cause those who stood against the fulfillment of the plans of God to honor you. God's favor will cause you to inherit generational blessings. In other words, what has happened before you, maybe loss of property, loss of wealth, broken whatever, God says, you know what, I can redeem that for your generation. Oh, come on, Jesus. God's favor releases overcoming grace in the midst of great impossibilities. God's favor will cause the yoke of poverty to be broken and cause retroactive payment of riches to be released in your life. Woo, Jesus. God's favor will cause you to prosper in the world. God's favor brings protection for you and your family. God's favor causes the preservation of life and invokes his abiding presence. God's favor brings promotion even when you seem the least likely to receive it. God's favor will cause men to give you the resources to accomplish your assignment. Come on, people. God's favor brings forth prominence and preferential treatment. God's favor will cause your leader to hear your words and brings forth granted petitions. Why do I give you this list? If I was going to give it to somebody that's self-sufficient, this list would make them proud would make them want to control. But Christ-sufficient people are submitted to Christ. And you can handle God's favor. Oh, come on. You can handle God's favor. That's why you have to be in Christ-sufficiency, abiding with Christ. Because favor without abiding in Christ can create destruction. Favoring a child, let's give me a really, a rebellious child, and you just keep pouring out favor on a rebellious child. Is that going to help them to have a healthy life that's respectable and doing good in there? No. No. You see, the thing is, God cannot go against his own word. He is not going to pour favor out on sin. He never has poured favor out on sin. He poured his precious blood out. 
he wants his children. All of that beautiful list for your life, the Lord wants for you. He wants that because he loves you. I was telling my daughter last night, if you looked at, you put her three children and you put them on the pew and I looked at them, I wouldn't say, oh, Isaac, I just want favor for you. But I don't want favor for you too. No, our hearts for our children, I want favor for all of them. God's heart is better than that. I want favor for all of my children. But self-sufficiency prevents us from God's favor because we will not access God's favor. We're accessing ourself, our own resources. We are, when we choose self-sufficiency, we access the deficient power source. Deficient. Sin, pride, rebellion, disobedience prevents us from walking in Christ's sufficiency and therefore prevents us from walking in favor. James 4, 6 says this, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I'm going to tell you, church, over crossroads, we cannot afford to operate out of God's favor. We cannot afford it. You cannot afford it and don't even want it because it is living life not even close to abundant life. So we ask for forgiveness, Lord of our self-sufficiency, some that creeps in. We don't even know that we're being self-sufficient until we, we get a moment of clarity spiritually or we find ourselves not in a favorable place and then we say, Lord, where's the favor? And the Lord says, why are you walking in self-sufficiency? King David faced this at the end of his, his ministry, his leadership, when he decided to count the people, and God was angry with him for taking a census. And why was God angry? Because King David began to trust in his own self-sufficiency as a leader. What he had been given by God and not God himself. And so it's a temptation, even with people after God's own heart, it is always a temptation to start to function, especially when things are looking pretty good, when the economy is up. When the job is great, to start stepping in to self-sufficiency. But we need to say, Lord, forgive me. Psalm 30, verse 5 says this. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. No wonder I'm so tired. No wonder why I'm so exhausted. Trying to do it in myself. Why am I so weary? Some of you in this room are weary, weary, weary. Even in your job. This Lord spoke to this to me. Even in your profession because you're trying to do it in self-sufficiency. You see, the Lord says, if you will give me your job, your business, your career, I will cause favor to rise upon you. I will cause blessing to be upon you. I will enlarge your territory. Quit getting your shovel and trying to make your territory happen on your own, exhausted. Why don't you let me do it for you? And you just obey what I say. Ooh, quiet. Psalms 90, 17 says this. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. 
Yes, establish the work of our hands. What? Let what be upon us? The favor of God. Psalms 10.22, it's not up here, says this. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no sorrow to it. So if you're going through a lot of sorrow from your desire to try to be in the rat race, listen, this is a, a time, this is a, Santa Clara County is a rat race county. And God has put you here. You're not going to go, don't go run away. He's given you a jurisdiction. Don't go run away. And then go be self-sufficient in an <laughs> easier place. No, he's given you this place to be Christ-sufficient so that he can raise you up, so that he can show forth his glory through your life, through your business, through what you do with the work of your hands, so he can show that you are favored by God. Don't go running away. Shift the power source. Shift the power source from self-sufficiency to Christ-sufficiency. And there will not be painful toil. There will not be sorrow to the work of your hands. I'm so thankful for the youth pastor the Lord has given us. So thankful. There's many reasons why I'm thankful. But one reason why I'm thankful is because the Lord laid upon my heart to do this business enrichment breakfast twice a year. It be a time for business people to gather, and we just do a time of encouragement, networking, but also a time of believing God for favor. Bringing the needs of your business, the needs of your career, whatever it may be, whatever position you are, coming and saying, we're going to believe God. We're going to believe what his word says about the work of your hands. See, I believe the Lord has anointed this place. But I will never pray for your business if you're going to try to do it in self-sufficiency. Because you're on the throne. But I will do everything in agreement with the Holy Spirit to pray the favor of God so that that list that we just went through is upon your life and your business. Because you must walk in Christ's efficiency to bring glory to him. You see, he wants, the Lord wants favor to be on all of us. Every last one of us. Psalms 84, 11 says this. For the Lord God is our sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I want to ask the worship team to come up. Self-sufficiency giant, you're going down today. And we're going to walk in the favor of God. We're going to walk in Christ's sufficiency today. But what we're going to do is I really felt like as I was in prayer this morning that we needed to repent of our self-sufficiency and those of you that say, you know what, Pastor Lynn, I feel like, I feel more like Goliath than David right now because I feel like the stone is hitting me right between the eyes. You don't need to feel that way. What's, take, what's being torn off is the chains that are keeping you exhausted. 
and you're going to walk in greater power and authority and agreement with the word of God. But we're going to repent of that. And, and for those of you, and you know what I'm going to do? The first thing that has to leave when we tear off self-sufficiency is pride. Human, old, good old human pride. Control, which comes from pride, the need for control. And you're like, right, when I go to this church, I don't feel like I'm in control. Good. <laughs> Guess what? That's okay. He's in control. And he's empowering you right now. He's giving you the opportunity to be empowered right now. For those of you that say, you know what? I need to repent of that. What we're, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to stand in a minute. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. It's not going to be up on the screen because the Lord gave it to me in prayer right before I came in. And we're going to pray this prayer. You're going to repeat after me a prayer. And then after that, we're going to do a declaration of the favor of God in your life. Okay? So we're going to repent first. And then we're going to receive the declaration of the favor of God in your life. So if you feel like, you know what? I've, I've been walking in some self-sufficiency. The Lord's just really convicted me as I've been listening. I want you to stand up right now. Stand, stand, stand. I don't, doesn't matter. Just stand. Okay. What we're going to do is this. I want you to just repeat after me. I'll try to keep it in short little spurts. And I want you just to, you can close your eyes. Don't be distracted. There's nothing on the screen for you to read. Just receive what the Holy, see the Holy, this is a divine moment. You're, you know what you're doing right now? You're taking down the giant. You're taking it down. You're taking down the giant with your sling. With the sling that the Lord told you to use. So here we go. Lord, I have pushed, elbowed, and climbed. I have maneuvered, tried, and scraped. I have pursued, strived, controlled. I have competed and done much, much more. And now, Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your, for your forgiveness of self-sufficiency. I want to walk in your favor because I love you. I want to walk in your favor because your plans for me are the best. I give you everything. Convict me, Holy Spirit, if I return to self-sufficiency. I decide today I will respond to the Holy Spirit. I decide today to walk in the favor of God. I walk in the favor of God because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So now, so done. See, one thing about God, he's just like, okay, done. All right, done. You don't need to go back to it. Don't go back. Oh, forgive me for self-sufficiency. No, done. Now, let's put up the declaration. And everybody can stand up. Declaration of the favor of God. 
declaration of the favor of God. We're going to say this together. We're going to declare this over ourselves. We're going to declare this over this body. I proclaim that this is the year of the favor of the Lord. This is the set time for the favor of the Lord to be manifested in my life. I am growing in stature, wisdom, and increasing, and favor is being multiplied to me. Let the favor of the Lord open doors to my assignment that no man can shut. I receive preferential treatment, goodwill, and advantages towards success in every area of my life. Let the favor of the Lord surround me as a shield. Let the spirit of favor compel men to assist me in my destiny. The kings of the earth are extending the scepter of favor toward me, and I have all the financial resources to accomplish that purpose of God. I have favor with everyone assigned to my destiny. I receive life and favor of the Most High God. Come on, people. Thank you, Lord. We're taking down the giant of self-sufficient worship team. I want us to worship. Come on. I just want you to worship. I want you to receive what God has just done. There's been a shift over your life. You know, and I, before I pray, I just feel like the Lord would say, I need to let you know there was a lot of warfare over this message when I was preparing it because it's unlocking you. It's unlocking you. It's going to free you. You're going to step into something that you've never been <laughs> into before. It's a new dimension that the Lord is bringing you into. It's a, it's a giant that looks like it is, it's very subtle and it's very uh, permeated throughout our culture. So that's why it can be very subtle. That's why the Holy Spirit is just really pinpointed, bringing this down. But the Lord is saying favor, favor over this body, favor over your life. I want you to walk in favor. Many of you, your heart has been to accomplish the, what the Lord has called you to accomplish. Your heart has been to walk in power and authority, and you've, and you've wrestled with, I don't know why I'm not walking in that way. And the reason why is because you have defaulted unknowingly to self-sufficiency. And that's why the Lord has brought this word to you to free you. Now you are to walk in that Christ sufficiency in your life, not just in a theoretical way or not just in your spiritual life where you, where you are saved, but in your life, in your career, in every part of your life. And he's going to favor every part of your life. So, Lord, we receive the unlocking that you have done over this body. And there's going to be multiplication. There's going to be prosperity. There's going to be healing. There's going to be um, strength. No more exhaustion. The spiritual exhaustion will go. Lord, an emotional, spiritual strength, even physical strength will come. Lord, because you are good and we can depend on you. And your power is made perfect in our weakness. Oh, your power is made perfect in our weakness. So, Lord, we just declare this word over the body today, over this house, Lord, over the muscle church that you are building, that you are creating, Father, to be a strong tower, Father, for this community 
unity for this region, for this world even, Lord. We declare it, Father. We receive it, Lord. As we leave this place, we walk out saying, I believe. I believe. And we activate our faith. Through grace we have received. Now through faith we will walk. And Father, we believe what you have spoken and said and declared over us. In your name, amen. May God bless you as you go. Prayer teams, if you could be available up here um, for personal prayer for people, please come forward. If you would like to receive some personal prayer, you can come forward as people are being dismissed. Have a great week. Victory is yours. We hope you were blessed, encouraged, and challenged by this week's sermon. See you again, and remember to hit that subscribe button for our next episode. God bless, and remember, we keep it real, simple, and about Jesus.